Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Green. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Oh my goodness. Welcome, everyone. It is Tuesday, January the 8th in the wonderful, amazing, incredible year of 2013. You have found yourself at Awake in the Dream Radio. I am your co-host, Dr. Dream, and our incredible, knowledgeable, and just one heck of a beacon of positive energy co-host. Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. (laughs) Very nice to be here tonight. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. How are you, Laura? I'm doing great. How are you, Dr. Dream? Doing really well. Here we are, eight days into 2013. What do you, what do you, what's your take? Well, I mean, gosh, I think there's just a lot up for review, a lot of the old stuff that um, we're just dumping and, you know, on a collective level. There's just a lot of planetary alignments that are assisting in this process, but, you know, it can come in the form of a lot of discomfort and uh, a lot of need to just uh, really be genuine and uh, willing to move to the other side and and find a better way, you know, and it's not always what we're conditioned um, to come up with. It's, it's, it's just about reaching for what's beyond, you know, what, what on a higher dimensional level to, to really anchor. So I'm feeling this a lot and I'm noticing it amongst, you know, friends and colleagues, uh, just a lot of positive energy that, you know, most people really do feel that we've gotten over the hump and we're in great shape. And I certainly felt that over the solstice and I still am feeling it big time and nothing can shake me from that. So what are your thoughts? I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm uh, just riding this wave right now. I'm really, um, I'm loving the energies. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I'm there's <laughs> my stuff is still coming up. <laughs> so I Yay. mean, you know, it's it's yes, thank goodness. Um, until there's nothing there left to surface, but um, it seems to be coming up in a more comfortable way for me to work through things and and to really, you know, pay attention to how the the energies are. Are working, but you know what? I what I want to know from you is give us a little bit of the astrology. What's what's happening right now? Where are we at? What can we look forward to or look out for, as the case may be, in the next week or so? Okay. Well, in the next week, oh gosh, there's a a new moon coming up, which people should really pay attention to on Saturday. The reason it's so important to pay attention to a new moon uh, because it's a seed planting day. It's a, it's a day to really anchor one's intentions and visions, and it just allows um, manifestation to happen. It's the strongest day for this. And I believe the new moon is in Capricorn, uh, so it's really focused on one's purpose, one's calling, one's uh, connection to authority. I do want to double-check and make sure that that's where the new moon is going to be, but, you know, that's a big one. Um, and, you know, this year in general uh, – there's just a lot of shakeups. It's very revolutionary. And, um, you know, everything starting off this week is really kick-starting a bit of that 
as we prepare for some major square aspects between Uranus and Pluto. Um, but, you know, this week, this week, this week, it's, uh, gosh, you know, a mix for all different signs, of course, but just to, you know, put it down on general terms. Um, let's see. We have uh, some interesting squares between Mars and Saturn that people need to watch out for, and that's really where the intensity can hit us, you know, where our anger against authority, against uh, anything that's really fixed and rigid in ourselves can show up, where we feel maybe controlled by others or limited. Um, you know, some big blowouts can happen because a lot of uh, the planets right now are, you know, dealing with Plutonic energies and Saturn energies. Um, Saturn's in Scorpio, Pluto's in Capricorn. So here we do, you know, here we have Mars squaring Saturn. Um, but, you know, the beauty is Venus enters Capricorn. And with all this activity with Saturn and Capricorn, there's nothing better than the, the planet of love and beauty to, to, to shine some light. And this is happening on the 9th. Venus is moving into Capricorn. Actually, tonight, I believe, at 11.11, it's showing up. So I think everybody's going to feel a wave of love come in to soften some of that sort of intensity that, that I think people have been feeling, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, just the desire to kind of throw a fit, but knowing that this is not really where it's at anymore. So, uh, you know, the Venus energy allows us to slow down and take a deep breath and find a better way. And that, that's, you know, pretty much a general overview, but, of course, each sign is different. But definitely, people, pay attention to Saturday and give yourself an hour to really just have focused intention, plant seeds, um, and really envision uh, just what you'd like to see in the next cycle. And, yes, it is in Capricorn, I've, I've um, confirmed. So um, that's a great thing because uh, this is really what it's all about, taking down the old power structures and realigning authority structures with natural law and with, um, you know, the sacred union energy and just, you know, universal cosmic law rather than, um, you know, patriarchal BS that we're all so done with. And uh, now we're, you know, shattering those structures and where they've affected us internally. Ah. Thank you so much for sharing all that. It really does help uh, sort of smooth the um, the path. And you know what? We, we could talk for a few more minutes, but I'm so excited about tonight's guest. Um, I, I'm sure our listeners don't mind. Do you mind if we just jump right in? Oh, please, please. I'm so anxious, too. I've been dying to talk to Carrie, so really excited well, to have Carrie Cassidy on. It's perfect. Our guest tonight is Carrie Lynn Cassidy. And she is the CEO and co-founder of Project Camelot. Uh, Carrie's got a BA in English, graduate work in sociology, an MBA certificate from the UCLA Anderson Graduate School of Management, and was competitively selected to attend a year of film school at the UCLA Extension Short Fiction Film Program as one of their first hyphenates, a writer, director, producer. So, after 19 years in Hollywood working for major studios and independent production companies in production, development, new media, and she's written a, a number of screenplays. And as an independent producer, she pitched projects around Hollywood to major producers and directors. And in April 2006, and this is um, just the, the perfect thing for all of us, Carrie co-founded Project Camelot and has been working as a documentary filmmaker and producer for the past seven years. But in her role as co-founder of Project Camelot, she conducts interviews documenting the testimony of whistleblowers with above top secret clearances as well as researchers and experiencers covering all aspects of reality, both on and off planet. Carrie speaks at conferences all around the world 
on the subject of ETs, the Illuminati agenda, mind control, the matrix, prophecies. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. She's an intuitive. Um, she spent years researching the occult and studying Eastern philosophy. I could say so much more about her, but I'd really rather just introduce to everyone Carrie Lynn Cassidy. Hello, Carrie. Hi there. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's so great to have you. Um, last time I saw you, I guess, was uh, a couple months ago. And what's really awesome about having Carrie on the show is I got a chance to really get to know her when I was in South Africa. We were uh, at a conference that Michael Tellinger put on. And, yes, I mean, just what Dr. Dream read, just all those, um, everything that she's involved in. But, but the thing that really hit me was just the powerful intuition she has. I mean, just the clairvoyance or just the deep sense of uh, just uh, being able to just pick up on things. We were uh, at Adam's calendar and um, there were some amazing breakthroughs due to Carrie's, you know, incredible insight and uh, I guess you could say psychicness. So um, I'm really looking forward to hearing her take on a lot of things and I just want to start off just catching up a little bit. Um, you know, w what's been happening for you over the solstice period up until now? What have, what, what's been going on? Um, thank you so much, Laura. Uh, lovely to talk to you and uh, i got to say you're one of my favorite people. <laughs> so... Oh, um, about you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I, I do appreciate all of all that you said. Um, well, as many people know, I took a small group of people to Egypt over the sort of 2012 uh, bell ringer days, you might call them. Uh, we arrived around the 10th of December, and we then we left on well 24th on the 24th, right before Christmas, and I was flying uh, on Christmas Eve back to the U.S. Um, it was an incredible time, and I have to say that we did a number of uh, very powerful meditations. Uh, the energies there were the kind of energy that actually can pretty much knock you off your feet. Um, they were so strong coming in at those some of those dates. Uh, Specifically, 1212 was a huge, uh, huge, massive influx of energies, uh, and then several days after that, and uh, leading up to the 21st, I have to say, you know, the 21st was strong, but there were other days that were perhaps even stronger. Uh, we did do a meditation on the 20th, and that was pretty powerful stuff. It was actually at the crack of dawn on the 20th, so in some places on Earth, it was still the 19th, as a matter of fact. Um, and, well, what can I say? I had some sort of uh, very strong, clear visions happening. Other people did on the trip as well. Uh, it was, uh, we had an amazing guide, I have to say. Uh, the company that, that we went with was referred to me by Nancy Joy, who, actually, I don't know Nancy all that well, but I, I got her referral through um, another woman, and the person she referred to ha us as our guide uh, got on Skype and we had some conversations ahead of time. And I made it very clear that this was going to be a Camelot group and that we weren't going to just, um, you know, play nice <laughs> in terms yeah. of just taking the party line for what, you know, what is the normal interpretation of, of what goes on in the hieroglyphs on the pyramids. I mean, not the pyramids, but, you know, the various temples and so on and the interpretation of what's going on there and what what all happened in the past. So that he was well prepared for us. 
But as it happened, he's a very open-minded guy and very unusual. Uh, you know, he's he's a Muslim, but he uh, he's just uh, very unusual in his way. And he he was a scholar. He's a very well-known uh, Egyptologist in in Egypt, and um, his name was well. Let me. I, I, we call him Amro. Um, his real name is Amunir, and his last name I forget. But um, I do want to give him a plug because they're. Um, I think it's called um, Index Holidays is the name of the company, and he and and um, his partner Mohammed started that company relatively recently ago. They used to be part of Lady Egypt. I know I'm going into a lot of explanation here, but I. You know, we got huge rave reviews from everyone on the trip as well about Amro and how amazing he was. And you've got to understand how difficult it is in Egypt when you go to these power places and really amazing places and, of course, as crucial as it was during this time. And uh, the attitude of the guide and the way the guide approaches us and approaches the situation, the way he was able to, um, well, I'm not going to say bribe, but um per, per, persuade uh <laughs> convincingly <laughs> the guards to look the other way when we did our meditations uh places that he took us to uh the white desert the 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 black desert uh just stunning stunning places that are really once in a lifetime experiences and um and a great energetic time to to be in these places so we i think you know i've been to this is my fourth trip in this life uh, to Egypt, and I have to say, it was really probably best, hands down, and um, a lot of us did get a lot of, you know, sicknesses. There was a lot of chemtrailing going on. Uh, I have no doubt that there is some special concoction being put out in the chemtrails. Uh, Not an accident. The energetics were augmenting all of that, of course, and I got really, really... um, very, very, kind of almost violently sick uh, on the t- as a result of the energy coming into the Great Pyramid. And so what else? I was I don't know what it was, but I was sick to my stomach, which was, you know, the, not the normal kind of sickness that you expect. Um, wasn't as the result of food. And um, had only been there for a day or something, day and a half by then. Um, and and uh, two days at the most. And so anyway, it was uh, very interesting, and we I did get better pretty quickly, but then a few days later uh, got very, very ill again. And I have to say, I lost a ton of weight, <laughs> so it's not all bad. There was this cleansing going on, this, you know, you might call it purifying, whatever you want to say. Um, at least for me, that, that was a, a sort of a good thing, and I know... I know Michael Tellinger was really ill, Hugh, Hugh Newman. We had a number of speakers on the trip, Rebecca Jernigan. I'm sure everyone will know these names. So it was it was wonderful to travel with them. Uh, in fact, Laura had been invited, <laughs> and uh, I really wish she had been there because she would have she would have really delighted in everything. But you know, another time, I'm sure you know uh, oh, whatever you so. was memorable and important uh, that you be wherever you need to be uh, on those dates. But at any rate, that's kind of, I guess, the short version of a really amazing trip. Wow, that sounds incredible. Um, tell me just just one one more question about um, the trip. T- share with us how the how you felt 
the energy from the people um, was and how all that, um, you know, was it, could you feel the tensions? Could you like cut it with a knife or were, were, were you feeling more of an expansive feeling from people? Um, you know, it's very interesting. What happened was there was, there has been an 80% drop in tourism as a result of the publicity campaign that the powers that be have put out keep people away from Egypt during this time. And I have to say that it, most of it is, is, is blatant disinfo. Um, the people are absolutely delightful. Uh, there are demonstrations, but it's towards the government. You know, it's not towards others, other people necessarily, although I'm sure that, you know, sort of there are factions. Sorry, my dog's drinking water in the background here. <laughs> there are factions, um, you know, but I have to say we got into, for example, we went to the first day we went to right near Tahrir Square, um, and they were going to have a demonstration, I think, around 4 in the afternoon. They don't start until later in the afternoon because that's when everyone gets off work. And, I mean, it's it, it, we didn't go into the square, but we were right nearby at the museum. And the museum was a very calm. In fact, it was so calm, it was it was almost dead quiet. And we we had our run of the entire Egyptian museum, which was so fun and so cool. And... <laughs> We were able to, you know, our guide was able to sort of explain, because normally when you go in there, you know, I've been there, of course, many times before, and there's the crowds are just everywhere, and the the, the guides are always competing, for, you know, and they're, they're all sort of yelling, you know, their own perspective on what's, you know, what you should see and what you, you know, and if you know what it's like when, when you have a guide. And um we just got we got to ask, ask our questions and just wander around and and have our guide you know discuss things with him and tell him because we were always telling him different versions of his stuff. I mean, in the end, he 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 thanked me like from the bottom of his heart for um, for for waking him up to certain things uh, a la Camelot and and was really we blew his mind totally. I mean, we had some yeah. dinner discussions. It just totally blew his mind. Um, and he, he he said this. We didn't say we blew his mind. He told us that. And, you know, um, for me, it was just run-of-the-mill Camelot stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what was going on. But it was really fun to interact um, and share these these sort of perspectives and get his take on things and kind of banter back and forth and Michael Tellinger adding his stuff and Hugh Newman adding his stuff and, you know, then Rebecca Jernigan adding her stuff. And we just had a great time, I have to say. Um, there were some really very comedic moments <laughs> and um, where we were actually rolling on the ground laughing. It was just so ridiculous. But... Um, <laughs> It was fun. It was a it was a good time. Uh, it was not easy. I have to say, energetically, it was like you know you were ready to pass out from the energy and trying to see the temples and and maintain your physicality. I mean, there was one point at which every you know few steps I had to sit down. I, I absolutely had to force myself uh, when I was really really sick to still go to the various you know because I was more or less the group leader. I wasn't going to stay in my room and, you know, not go. And um, I, I just, you know, I just worked with it, and it, it did work. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I was incredibly exhausted from being sick, but at the same time uh, was able to make it through. And uh, just seeing the, the wonderful, amazing places. Uh, Dendera is just, you know, such a jewel and um, one of my favorite places, I guess you might even say, on Earth. 
that temple and um, Abydos and I mean just you know the Nile which I adore I, I'm a real Egypt uh, sort of <laughs> fan as you can tell uh, in fact at mm-hmm. one point a lot I was even considering moving there uh, to do journalism so I have to say that uh, you know I, I am biased but nonetheless it was it was wonderful that's incredible it's so great to hear about because I really just I wanted to be there so bad and I, I needed to stay close to home with the kids. But wow, it just what an incredible experience and definitely around that you know December twenty first and this whole period. Oh, it's incredible. So so what's been happening on the Project Camelot front? I've heard about this interview with the Russian couple. I, I can't quite say their name. I, I began watching it. Um, and somehow the connection wasn't very good. But I know people are very interested in this this new story. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, it is available now on the front page of Camelot. You can click over to the YouTube. Uh, it, it was on live stream. It, it'll stay on live stream for a short time, but they've now changed their parameters, and they start knocking your stuff off uh, if you don't pay them <laughs> to keep it on. And I don't think uh, I really want to pay their monthly fee, which is $50 a month. I to keep my stuff on there. So I think I'm going to just transfer everything to YouTube. But at any rate, it's on YouTube, and, you know, so you can watch it and start and stop it and listen again and again. Uh, We are getting a written transcript made as well of the audio. And then on top of it, uh, Viria, which is the wife was the person who was on the, uh, the live event with me because her husband on December... 19th, I think it was, was arrested. Well, he wasn't arrested. I don't know what you call it, but he was forced into a mental institution for a 30-day examination, uh, after which they were supposed to release him. Now, whether or not they do release him, I don't know, but but that's what she's told us. So he technically would be due out on on, uh, January 19th or 20th. but uh, he was put in that situation because of, of the very unique situation that they are in and the fact that he was, I guess he was framed into uh, trying to buy some radioactive materials from an individual who then set them up where the police, uh, I guess, saw, you know, were there. It was kind of like if you can think of a drug buy only, this was for radioactive materials, and he was nabbed as a person who was trying to purchased them, and then on top of it, they went to his apartment and they discovered in the bedroom where the couple sleep is uh, they had stored various uh, elements and radioactive um, materials that they use as food uh, for energy to to stay alive. And it's a very fascinating case. It's, um, you know, I noticed right even when I was about to interview them, uh, I actually found out about them from Stuart Swordlow's interview uh, that was sent to me by a, a Camelot fan. And apparently, I guess he interviewed them on, uh, well, it was on YouTube, and that was back in October, but I hadn't heard about it until the person sent it to me just, you know, like a week ago or something. And I decided uh, after watching it and just uh, intuitively that this was a very important story and I would try to get a hold of them. So I did. I wrote an interview, I mean, an invitation to them at their email that they posted on the on the video and then also copied Stuart. I found out recently Stuart apparently never got my invitation to join us as well. And he's 
recently gone out and made a video bad mouthing me now, uh, which is really oh no, star. But um, and I can explain why. But uh, at any rate, what happened was I uh, did get in touch. They got back in touch with me immediately, and Syria wanted to come on and do the interview. And I told her I wanted to do it live over uh, live stream using Skype. And we she didn't have video, so we just used audio. Um, but it is on YouTube. You know, it does have some video, which was just um, you know sort of me and and the background picture that we created a poster for the event and so on. But uh, it is fascinating, a really fascinating study, and these people um, have have suffered a great deal. Uh, there's no doubt whatsoever that their genetic make- makeup is, is slightly different than maybe most humans, but I have to say that all humans are human hybrids. So it's just that their particular t- type of hybrid, um, no, hybrid uh, qu- qualities are... Um, are unique in the sense that they resonate with radioactive materials. And I I knew intuitively that this was correct, that uh, even people that contact cancer as a result of exposure to radiation, that they have a choice. And it's it's also, it can be helpful if you have the right DNA to be able to withstand this. But um, sorry about this, my dog. (sighs) Impossible. Uh, But at any rate... I just knew that it was really important information. Um, But it was really funny how on the Internet, immediately people started questioning whether they were faking it and all this kind of thing. It was just, I don't know, I guess other people don't have, as you know, the ability to really tell what resonates when somebody's telling the truth. And for me, that was unequivocal that these people were not kidding around, that they lived this experience. Um, So I thought it was important to to talk more about it. and uh, I, there was a statement that I, I made on the on the website about it was just a run of the mill statement, um, and now I've clarified it on my page. So you can go to the front page of Camelot and scroll down to the posting about the uh, Aradia couple, as they call themselves, and they have a Facebook page. You can see the link there. They have a uh, they've written a PDF. It's some of it is the you know the English is not the best in the world, but you can certainly understand it. And uh, it's written by Zeria, who is is the wife, and that the, the uh, husband's name is is Rodium. And uh, she describes their sort of torturous journey to to how they got where they are today. And uh, and I do hope that people will you know that even governments will consider uh, giving them asylum from Russia because clearly they're being uh, very much oppressed in Russia, not just by their living circumstances. Apparently, the the boy's mother is is very much against their marriage that happened in 2009, and 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 they ha- they live with her. Um, but I'm sure she's also very not happy about the radiation that you know was in the bedroom. Although she was kept out of there, so she wouldn't be exposed. So they were careful, but. Um, you know, I'm sure it would disconcert most anyone to have uh, radiation nearby. Um, it is fascinating. I think it's really important to realize that we are, that there are probably many people like Zeria and Radium out there, and that we are entering a new time on Earth. Some people will be able to resonate with higher frequencies and with things like radiation and the effects of radiation. Obviously, Fukushima disaster is is all part of that. I think that there's an intentional um, 
off-planet effort to change our atmosphere and terraform Earth into another kind of atmosphere altogether. Um, it may be that they are or they have a, a substantial amount of gray DNA. Um, I don't want to assume that because a lot of scientific investigation would have to be done to verify that um, or even reptilian DNA. That doesn't make them you know, reptilians. It doesn't make them grays. It simply means that they, you know, there's huge hybrid program that uh, involves abductions, in case people don't know that. Most people know that by now. And you must understand that these, these people are young. They're in their 20s. They are the early generation of gray human hybrids, probably. Um, again, I'm not saying for sure. I am saying that it is a well-known fact that the grays and the reptilians do want us to have a more methane-like and uh, a more radiation-filled environment here on Earth. The powers that be that have deals with them are working with them to see that happen. Um, and you can see it in the natural disasters, the Gulf oil spill, and you know Fukushima, in case you question whether that's happening. Hmm. Right. Now, Carrie, you said something um, that just I got a little tickled by you um, uh, just now when talking about this interview. You said that uh, there were some people that um, you know had responded and didn't believe it, and this and that. I mean, you've been doing this since 2006. You are finding the most incredible stories um, that just are, are seriously mind-blowing for, for so many of us. Um, so, so it's got to be nothing new that, that people want to believe that, that what you are facilitating the sharing of is, is kind of BS and stuff like that. Um, but, but what I want to know is the last six, seven years – what is the most amazing story that that you and Bill have gotten out there that that even was was big and kind of blew your minds? Um, you know, it's funny because people ask us this question. It's 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 really interesting, and I have to say first of all that I have sort of a different way of approaching stuff than most people. And I don't even know why this is, but, uh, and I, I hate to say this, but nothing surprises me. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, and I don't understand it exactly. All I can tell you is that since I was a kid, um, when I had a huge imagination, first of all, and I read voraciously, as they say, uh, and and I don't, you know, I don't draw the line at anything. I I believe that if a human being can imagine it, it probably exists. Um, and so I, I, I come from the complete opposite side of that spectrum than most people. I am not a skeptic in the sense that most people are. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't hold things at arm's length. I don't buy into them either. It's just that I allow for them. I have this huge ability to allow for just about anything. So as a consequence, when I hear things, it it may be that I've just lived a lot, a lot of lives, and you know this, um, you know I'm just an old soul, as they say, or it may be other reasons. But ever since I was a kid, um, and even ever since Camelot, first of all, intuitively, uh, I've, I've my intuition chose a lot of the people that we ended up interviewing, even when I I would get in big, you know, arguments with Bill occasionally. 
most of the time in the beginning we agreed on everyone and eventually we started disagreeing on people. But during the middle time when we started having minor disagreements, I would really go to bat for certain people and based completely on my intuition, uh, most part. And I have to say that 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 served us very, very well. Um, And it's just, it served me well in my life. So I really pay attention to it. And um, as far as the information, I don't know. I just already knew all of this stuff was, was out there. It's just a matter of kind of getting down to the nuts and bolts. So I guess you might say that I feel, and I have sort of another perspective, which is because I've, I've been the person who does, for the main part, most of the interview, and then I edit most of the interviews, um, it's kind of like they're my babies. So in a sense, I, I treat them all equally. <laughs> I see them all. <laughs> And, you know, I don't, and their creative endeavors, I don't really, I mean, naturally there's some that I resonated more on a human level with, or there's some that that I was struck by as being really crucial timing-wise, or there's others that had information that was really, really vital. But we, you know, now, because we've been out there for seven years, um, most of the information, in a, in a way, we cover. We did what we set out to do. We covered the big picture, and for the most part, it's out there. Um, there are still bits and pieces like this erotic couple, where I always knew that the you know human hybrids that were more recent would would start to surface as they grew older and were able to talk to the public. And there's going to be a lot more of these come along. But see, I know that now. So when they come along, I'm not going to be sitting here in shock. Um, when I heard about Bariska, for example, the boy, uh, for those of you that, that don't know, and that's our most popular, you know, interview to date, by the way. Um, you know, Bill and I had, I had to spend, like, I think it was a week nonstop arguing with Bill about how important it was that we go to Russia and interview this child. And finally, because he thought, he didn't, it's not like he didn't want to in, interview him. It's just that he thought it was impossible that we would be able to pull it off because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't know about our logistics and how do you get into Russia. It's just not an easy thing. Um, It's just logistically very, very challenging. And I just had this really strong feeling that we had to do it. And, of course, it all. then once we went down that road, it started working like clockwork. It, It just, you know, everything fell into place for us. It was incredible. We got this guy who's like a fixer, and in, in Russia, you have to have a fixer <laughs> if you go to Russia. This person who, you know, knows how to negotiate on a street way with everyone. And so we got this person, and he, he basically, you know, kind of smoothed the way for us in a huge way. And, um, and, and it just worked, and thank God for it, because that was a really unique thing to do. And it was it was massively fun, and I've always wanted to see Rush anyway. Um, so, like, that was amazing. Back in those days, we really had magic happening. Um, there was a time when that changed, when we got, uh, you know, attacked, and the powers that be decided, okay, that's enough with them. We're going to, you know, try to get rid of them. But... It didn't work. We're still here. But at any rate, um, <laughs> and I don't mean to, but in answer to your question, uh, nothing has blown my socks off um, because I kind of was already there. <laughs> right. 
I like I like that. One of the things uh, this is more of a comment than a question, really. Carrie, one of the things that has impressed me about you when I've seen you speak, and I've seen you speak at a number of conferences, is you're no BS. There's no sugarcoating. Um, nobody wonders where you stand on anything. I mean, you're just very straightforward, and I really, really appreciate that about you. And it's, um, I think it's a great example for everyone. So just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> Thank you. Other people have different words for it, but I do appreciate that way of characterizing me. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really, I think being authentic is really important. And I think there's there's a lot of people out there that, you know, sort of smile at your face and then turn around and knife you in the back type of thing. Um, I think they're the most dangerous of all, in my opinion. Uh, and so, you know, I definitely sort of would... I try to be careful of, of, I would never like to be like that, and I want to make sure that other people don't encounter that. But nonetheless, it does exist. Um, I, I would like to say a couple things more about the Arati thing, just because I know people, if they're listening now, are, do maybe have some questions, because I just did that interview. Um, there are a couple very controversial statements that, you know, Zeria makes during the interview, and... Um, I just want to say that she's young and uh, she has very, very good intuition and um, psi abilities, but uh, that doesn't mean, you know, and I think some people kind of think if you have good psi abilities, therefore you know everything, and that's just not how it works. <laughs> and, um, and and there's still a lot to be learned there. You know, she came up, she's still in an incarnation, she still needs to, to go through those those learning experiences. Um, she was asked about, you know, working for governments, and she said she wants more than anything to to work in intelligence where she helps them get terrorists. And um, she, she obviously hasn't seen the Camelot videos, and she doesn't know that most of the terrorists work for the government. So, you know, yeah. there are problems there just in terms of her youth and her um, exuberance, but you know, it's it's such a beautiful thing when you see this amazing soul that has such great perception and such courage in such adversity. I mean, if you knew her life story, it's just horrendous for the most part. And yet she has such a loving, um, gracious manner. And um, it will serve her well. And, and she wants to do something wonderful for the planet. Uh, she may find that the road she wants to go down isn't what she expected it to be, but that's what happens. That's life. That's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that, that I think perhaps people are out there judging and going, oh, well, why doesn't she know better than that? You know what I mean? But right. it, it's a learning experience coming on the earth, and it's a learning experience figuring out who's who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And you don't come in with a rule book, you know, that says, okay, this guy's a bad guy and this guy's a good guy. Um, you know, it, there is a lot of shades of gray out there, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Well, I'm so glad so, you said all that because that's really a good point for people to understand. And, you know, those who are connected to spirit, I mean, are just to devote themselves to it. Uh, yeah, people expect because you have abilities that, You've got it all figured out, and I, I just love what you shared. I think that's just so important. Um, 
I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the Sandy Hook school shooting and just the fact that it showed up uh, the new moon right before December 21st, and if there's any hits you've gotten or information about. I mean, I we, we can all figure it was a false flag event, but if there's any other details you can share or what your thoughts are just on a collective level about, you know, what this has done and and uh, where, you know, our attention should be in regards to it because there's so much being shared online about it. Uh, yeah, I hear you. And uh, it, it is really bizarre, this Sandy Hook thing. I, in fact, it's, it's, it's even more bizarre is that today, I think it was today, Dutch sent uh, – put out a video uh, announcing that there was a tribute to the dead children that was put on the Internet um, apparently in November before the incident ever happened. Now, I don't quite understand how that could be the case. And and because of that, you know, there are people out there that really feel that this was a a faked event, that the the, the people in the town participated in in some kind of acting exercise. Um, to fool the rest of the world uh, in a very, uh, well, insidious way. But, um, you know, I'm I'm not so sure that's the case. I, I think perhaps there is something going on with a mind control experiment where they are, you know, changing dates on things and putting them out there to make people think that there are actors involved and to deceive people into what really went on. Um I believe, from what I understand, that there was a real blood sacrifice that took place, and uh, because of the dates and, and so on that went on with it, uh, there was a simultaneous, as many people will have heard, event in China in which, I forget how many kids, but I think it was in the 20s, were stabbed. So for those that went gun control, please keep that in mind. I guess, you know, Chinese terrorists or whatever you want to call those people or mind-controlled assassins, which is what they really are, um, prefer knives in China, the article of choice. However, in the United States, it's it's a gun, you know. So uh, I guess we're going to have to have both knives and guns and whatever else you can put. But the the real people that you need to be looking at are the, are the black magicians and the people that are working in MKUltra-type experiments that are placing Manchurian candidates around the country here in the United States, sleeping assassins. They are in place. They were in place in Aurora, Colorado, and so on. So we have that going on. On the other level, we also have evidence that uh, I believe a full day before the shooting ever happened that the young man was probably shot and then brought and, and laid out as in, in that um, sort of disguise uh, dead, and that someone who dressed up in, you know, from head to toe, again, their identity hidden, uh, did, the, did the actual shooting, who was probably, uh, uh, you know, an arms expert, and again, a mind-controlled assassin. So that's what you've got going on. You've got this kind of thing going on more than once, uh, I'm even working with a remote viewer who is quite uh, got us quite a substantial uh, resume, so to speak, in that regard, and tracing a lot of these these things. I've written several articles, and I do encourage people who are listening that are interested to go back uh, onto my blog and to to read the various articles about uh, the Sandy Hook thing. And um, there, there's a lot of sides to the whole story. I don't know what what the powers that be really are trying to accomplish at this time. 
I personally, on an intuitive level, don't feel that it was actors. So the fact that there is a a prior dated video uh, that has got onto the Internet, how it got there, under what circumstances, I don't know, but I'm not going to believe anything. As far as I'm concerned, the, you know, Echelon can change anything. They can date stamp anything. They can fake the document, you name it. Uh, they can do it. Yep. But I think if you actually rode into Sandy Hook and took a, a, a you know, and, and decided to do some interviews, you, you'd find some parents that were um, very, very upset at the at the death and or disappearance of their child. Right. Well, this is certainly uh, mess with your head planet, you know, that we're all experiencing. It's just the biggest mind f ever. Um, I'm uh, just, you know, curious what your thoughts are because you've, you've, you've connected with a lot of super soldiers and I know a lot of people in our audience are really curious or just a little bit confused about the super soldier program and just the nature of this cosmic war that we're in and who are the real players and, and where do the super soldiers fit in and what's the agenda behind the super soldier program and maybe, you know, shedding light on where it's going and, and what the, the plan is. Uh, well, that's kind of a far-reaching uh, question. Uh, I will say that, yes, we've had a lot of dealings with super soldiers, obviously starting with Duncan O'Finian. Um, that is a, a whole canon of worms that involves the mind-control assassins aspect. I mean, super soldiers are mind-controlled assassins. That's one of their jobs. Uh, some specialize more, in fact, on the side side of the equation and, and others more on the assassination side. Um, well, uh, you know, there was a program that started, my understanding is, I, we were told at any rate, that Duncan O'Finian was the prototype for the so, super soldiers uh, that will eventually have become not uh, human, but, but, um, but, but androids. Uh, but their but their profile was based on I guess Duncan O'Finian to some degree, and then expanded from there. And that there are now you know huge groups of of androids sort of standing by underground um, to take part in a war that may have eventually happen either uh, an AI driven war between us and an alien invasion that is poss- very possible actually. Um, and we've had many alien invasions, so let me clarify that right away. Um, many, you know, visitations, constant visitations from other beings from other planets, and um, they continue to come, and they continue to be very interested in Earth. They have, re, you know, re-engineered humanity a number of times. They've got what I call boots on the ground, which is their various, uh, you know, most, closely related genetic um, sort of renditions of themselves here. We've got uh, walk-ins as well and and various other things going on. But the super soldier aspect, you know, it's just part of the the scenario because if you have a people that are are interested in waging war, whether it be between themselves or between off-planet races and participating in that, which is where our notion of war came from, by the way, hello, uh, it's not just that, you know, I'm not one of those people that believes, oh, humans are bad. They think, you know, they're a warlike people and all these ETs are so good and angelic and we really need to be brought to the, you know, to the table and learn how to get along with those galactic 
higher beings, I really don't agree with that perspective. I think that people really need to get a grip and understand that there's a... You you think you're being disinfoed and mind-controlled by humans. You've got no idea what ETs are doing to you and the games they play. Um, you know, as above, so below. You know, it, it really holds true. So my perspective is that there are many visiting races. Some are service to self. Some are definitely service to others. And, um, and, and we're sort of caught in the middle, if you will. I believe that humanity is a grand experiment. We are a place where those various races who have been warring for the eons out in, in that interplanetary multidimension uh, decided to, at least 12 of them, get together, create a, a hybrid race that would in, embody their DNA and then put them all on one planet and see if they could get along. Uh, hmm. So that's our history, in my view, and uh, it continues to, to to even expand. Twelve More than 12 races are now involved. And... Uh, and there are various races now trying to take over the game, such as the Greys with their abduction and their their gray human hybrid program, um, and so on. So uh, it, it is it really is a challenge for us to get along. But it was a challenge for our forefathers, if you will, meaning our ET forefathers, to get along with each other. And uh, technology is no guarantee of higher of higher mind, um, in other words, or higher moral sort of um, fortitude or whatever you want to call that, or even spirituality, in my opinion. And if, if Atlantis doesn't prove that to you, um, yeah. then I have nothing more to say because you must understand that there were many ET races uh, present and accounted for during the time of Atlantis, and um, the whole thing went to hell. So <laughs> yeah. here we are. Yeah, so this is the perfect time for me to ask this. Carrie, um, are we ascending and getting out of this mess, or what's going on? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I do believe, I, I think it's very interesting, you know, the amount of energetics, even that's happening now and has been happening, well, for the last year and maybe even the last couple of years, but has amped up in the last six months and then, of course, amped up even more during the last couple months. Um is, is is sort of witness to the fact that we are entering a, a new sort of arena, and energetically speaking, and that means that ascension. I do believe that there is an ascension path, that we have stargates, and that we have uh, some stargates that have been uh, taken over by the dark side and closed because they man those stargates and they want to make sure humanity doesn't ascend. I believe there's a war for those stargates. I believe what was going on in the Great Pyramid I had a very strong vision of was a fight over that particular stargate that still is being waged from the light and the dark. Uh, the dark took it over quite a while ago and has maintained control over that particular stargate, which is part of the reason I went to Egypt. Um, and uh, that, 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 but, but what happened during 2012 and it's happening now, is that the certain very crucial stargates have opened. And they are what, what is called, uh, I guess, the ascension gates. And that humanity will be able to ascend either individually or as groups 
going forward. And my understanding, although it may not be correct or completely accurate, is that they will only stay open for a period of time, maybe until 2019, maybe a bit longer until 2020, 2022, but that eventually they will close again and that Earth will have to go through a whole nother um, sort of trend, you know, time of, of evolving or re-evolving, whatever you want to call that. Um, there will be sort of a change at a certain point in which uh, there will be people going and leaving this Earth and that this Earth, whether she herself ascends is another matter and, and how that all happens, the mechanics of it. I think it depends who you listen to uh, how you want to see that play out, how you think it's playing out. But I think there's no doubt that we are entering that time. And I would say that, you know, the, what people had been noticing even in the last year, which is you no sooner think something than it manifests, that's becoming more and more true. And it so it is like sort of be careful what you think because then, you know, it's going to come at you. And uh, I think that that's really true. I think there is a volatility in the now, if you will, that I'm experiencing. Uh, I think other people are, are feeling it as well, to where anything you do, anything you say, there's an instant sort of feedback loop that comes back, and it may be positive, it may be negative. Usually it's a combination of those two. <laughs> um, and, of course, being in the public arena makes it even more uh sort of volatile in a certain way, at least publicly volatile and, and, and something out where you're on a stage. But I have to say that it, it's very interesting. I think the ramifications of people's actions are starting to become known. I think there's a, a veil that's been removed, and I think truth uh, is starting to kind of stare people in the face. The fakes and the lies. I, I saw people, I'm not going to name names, I saw people who are kind of misrepresenting themselves on a certain level have to come to terms with the fact that they weren't where they thought they were <laughs> over the last couple months, especially during the 2012 transition, you know, around the 21st. Some people that were extremely deceived and thought we were all going to, you know, ascend into heaven or some kind of heavenly <laughs> sphere. Um, you know. Well, it's a good thing. There, ex- things being exposed. Yeah. Well, I think it could have been so much worse. And I, I think, uh, right, with all the different projections about it, um, this is a good place to be. I think we've done pretty amazing. And it's it's due to just things like Project Camelot, the Unity events, all the whistleblowers, and everybody who's really stepping up. So big pat on the back for everybody who's really, really paying attention. Um, I just love your answer so much. It's just really just so well put. Of course, when when a person speaks truth, I get the goosebumps. So Every time I'm around Carrie, I, I just have goosebumps. So um, I want to ask you, what do you think is, you know, blocking humanity's progress most? I mean, here we have the threat of being chipped with the RFID chip, uh, the beast computers, artificial intelligence. We're still getting chemtrail sprays. You know, what, what on, just in your perspective, is the greatest thing a person can do to affect change and to liberate themselves from these potentials or uh, liberate themselves from these things actually you know, really working? Um, I, I think the thing that stands most in the way of humanity is more or less humanity itself. In other words, 
I I don't know. I, it seems more true than ever to me that how you choose to take something is really your choice, and um, and that seems to be hitting home with me at the moment. I I think that, um, for example, you know, I had certain things happen to me fairly recently, and I thought, you know, it really depends how I want to take this, and I I try to kind of grok it on a intuitive level what was going on, and. I got answers, and the answers were there to be found, you know what I mean? And once I reached those answers, it it became very clear what was going on, and it didn't have a whole lot to do with me, (laughs) you know? Um, It was more other people's stuff and what they're doing and what they want to see and what their capabilities are for themselves and for the situation. And I can choose to either kind of get into that situation with them or I can sort of stand back and... Um, evaluate it, you know, and get the get the message. I think it's important to get the message from any learning experience, but 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 not sort of wallow in it, if you will. So when I look at that, I think that I look at the the whole circumstance. I look at the the obstacles, which whether it be reptilians or greys or you know the powers that be, and their you know their various ways of trying to dumb down humanity. In the end, you still have a choice. Um, even if you're in a prison cell, you can meditate. Um, so I think it all comes down to you and how you want to deal with it and how you can turn it around, you know, um, kind of like on a very simplistic level. And I don't mean to sound like a, a, a Hallmark card, but, you know, taking lemonade, lemon and making lemonade. Um, I think it's really you. And 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 I think the power is in our hands more than ever before in the history of humanity um, at this time. And I, I think once we realize that, and once we realize how really afraid they are of us, and I, I mean that is so important, and and starting to realize just what does it mean if you're a hybrid of twelve amazing races with amazing capabilities. What does that say about you as a hybrid of that? If you're a good hybrid, you're the best of the best, you know. Mm-hmm. You are somebody they are going to envy, those individual 12 races, because you've got it all. You've got it all at your fingertips. Um, if envy is, is what you, you know, what their motivation is, which, you know, is kind of sort of short-sighted. Um you know what I'm saying? We all go back to source. I don't care if you're a, a you know, a, a so-called pure, uh, you know, hybrid and, and assuming you're a hybrid with a soul or a, or a one, you know, one kind of ET or whatever, then the, the journey is back to source regardless. You take your own time. You get there when you get there. We all get there. Um, yes. That's the story, you know. There is a side that has to do with AI and, and the machine reality where there there may not be a soul. And the not soul is not going to evolve. They're not re-evolving. They're not going back to source. In a sense, they're not, they're not source. They're something else. They're a mirror of source that was created by source, but they're not going to grow and evolve. And this is what they're trying to attain. This is what where the jealousy exists. And this is what the game is about. Right. Mm. Absolutely. I'm just loving what you're saying here, um, Carrie. And and it leads me to ask you, 
from a practical standpoint um, for the individual, but then also for the collective, how is it best to to approach everything right now? I mean, what what's the best advice along those lines that you can give us as individuals and us as groups that are coming together that are really interested in doing the most we can to push this forward? Um, well, I, I think there's a couple things that at least seem to be working for me. Uh, one of the things is to stay in the moment and to be as authentic in that moment as I can be. Um, to also be, you know, really cognizant of where I'm at. If I'm being triggered by something to honestly own up to the fact that it's triggering me and then figure out why um, and go down that road. And so I think self-reflection and self-honesty is really important. But I also, also think paying attention because there's so much deception out there that someone can deceive you or, or, or allow you to be, de- you can allow yourself to be deceived because you get, you sort of drink the Kool-Aid that they're selling, whatever it happens to be. And I, I think that it's really important to sort of take a lot of illusions and put them at the door. Um, you know, to start sort of seeing yourself for who you are and then working with that um, rather than taking an illusion and trying to mold yourself into that illusion, uh, which is is what a lot of people do. So I don't know. That seems to to be really important. I think humor is really important. I would say in the alternative sector, if I was going to say any one thing that the alternative sector really needs to do, it's just get a sense of humor. You know, yeah, because seriously. there's an absurdity to life and there's an absurdity to what goes on. And the people that take themselves the most serious, um, I just think sometimes they're they're the most deceived. I think humor is, is, is a wonderful healing uh, sort of energy and I, I think that it's not used often enough. So I think, you know, even people that make jokes get, get hugely criticized by the alternative <laughs> um, yeah. sector, like, you know, oh, they're not being holy enough or something. I, I just, you know, that's really important. Um, and I, I think forgiveness, I guess if I was to say any one thing that I see is maybe the most important thing that a person can kind of try to, um, is allowance and forgiveness, meaning to allow another person to be all the good and bad things they want to be and then also to forgive them for it. In other words, that their so-called trespasses upon you are not, you know, that that they may you may be serving them in a certain way, or they may be serving you in a certain way, but that you know it's all sort of teaching, learning, as as the raw material calls it. You know, you teach and you learn. So yes. just keeping that humility and understanding and forgiveness is is really key. That's beautiful. Really, gosh. Um, what, what are your thoughts about the Mars agenda? Because I know that you've talked to so many people and who who are whistleblowers and connected to just everything about Mars, whether it's Wilcock, Hoagland, uh, Andy Bashago, Alfred Weber, and my story. What, what's your take on it after hearing so many different perspectives or, um, you know, all this different information being in Camelot and just such a truth seeker and intuitive? Um you know, it's interesting. Mars is, is sort of a conundrum. Uh, we, we also got testimony about Mars, obviously, from Bariska, 
who, as a child, uh, you can appreciate the sort of the what I feel was, you know, the more um, honest sort of that he came at, at the age of seven and even younger and was telling his mother that, you know, he was being incarnated from Mars and that he was a soldier back on Mars and that, you know, he had died in battle and all of this stuff. And um, that made a big impression uh, because that just rang true with me um, with regard to him. And I felt uh, very close to him at that time, even though he was really growing out of being a child, right? When we met him, he was, I think, 12, right on the the verge of puberty. Um, I I think that one of the most, you know, the impactful people with regard to Mars, besides Henry Deacon, um, who is also known as Arthur Neumann, I would say for me was a a secret whistleblower that I had temporary contact with in a very interesting way who then disappeared and someone else tried to take over his calm subsequently. But I, as an intuitive, I could tell it wasn't the same person. Um, But the person that did come through temporarily telling me that there was a fourth dimensional Mars and that the Mars that we see is not the Mars that our secret space program is going to, that they're jumping through a gate and they're actually landing on on a more 4D Mars. Um, and it may be that we eventually are able to see that and access that because we are moving through 4D now. Um, mm-hmm. But it... it, it that was that was really struck home for me that there are more you know because we live in a multidimensional universe what we see on the surface of a planet is not necessarily everything there is about that planet to see and uh, the other part of that of course is of course uh, the underground bases on Mars that are also um, going on and and how that all kind of fits together is is still not clear. Um, I will say that there are some people that say they've been to Mars that I do not believe have been to Mars. Um, I'm not going to name any names. Uh, I believe that some people have been to Mars, and I I believe that people are going on a regular basis. They're using jump gates and jump rooms going from places like Demona in Israel. I think that there's a group of Anunnaki that, uh, that are going back and forth they probably are going back and forth, between, you know, to a 4D Mars. Um, it, 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 it is really a fascinating subject. I think Phobos is also uh, very, very fascinating, and not all that much is said about Phobos. I was told by this whistleblower, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that Phobos is a command and control center, and that's where the humans and the Anunnaki are interacting and sort of calling the shots, et cetera, et cetera but that the Anunnaki are in charge. I've also been told that um, that there are stations uh, going out throughout our solar system and they watch incoming craft. They know every craft that's coming in, every planetoid that's pretending to be a planet or a, a you know, a, whatever, asteroid or um, or any of that stuff is can easily be, uh, be, be driven, be uh, hiding, you know, within it, uh, a, a sort of a, a, I guess you might say, a, a, a base containing all kinds of beings. These are the kinds of things we're having to deal with. The moon is occupied. Um, I've remote viewed the moon. I've seen the beings on the moon uh, and know about the bases under the moon. Um, you know, what's really going on, It what 
fascinates me, and I know I might be going a little off the subject here, but I have to say that is the idea that we have a a secret space program and a secret government that are for all intents and purposes living simultaneously right alongside us in almost like a par- what's become a parallel reality, such that they live, you know, a uh, hundred years, if not hundreds of years in the future using the technology of the future and possibly living their lives in that way as well, um, even on a spiritual level. And, and they are sort of leaving the, the earth, the ground people, uh, grounders, whatever you want to call them, uh, humanity on the surface, uh, in, in the dust. And, um, and I think that's wrong. And yeah. so I'm on a quest to bridge that gap between the current civilization on the surface and the hidden civilization in the uh, in the inner earth and the, in uh, if if on the fourth dimension, even a fourth dimensional, um, you've got a lot of gates going on. You've got a lot of, of jump rooms that go between various bases and and the planets, and um, you've got interstellar travel. You've got all sorts of things. It boggles the mind um, the things we're dealing with on surface earth, and I think some in some ways they become. Uh, we become almost irrelevant, if you can appreciate that, other than the fact that Earth herself is still coveted, surface Earth even, you know. So this is what we have in our sort of our ace in the hole, if you will, that we live on on surface Earth, Earth, this beautiful jewel-like planet, and they are trying to get rid of us. And I I think it's really important that people wake up that they know that that's the case, that if they don't turn you into slaves, bigger slaves than you are now, because let's get real here, uh, then, you know, they want to get rid of you. And it's really important that, that we begin to take our power back and, and that, that we turn that ship around. And I will say, and I'm sorry to sort of do a lecture here, but I don't mean to do this, but I, I just have to say this. There is, you know, there are a lot of white hats in this secret space program and in the secret government that are rooting for us and that are also helping us, like the person that communicated with me. And um, and, and I think we need to give them credit and also understand that, um, that we need them to be where they are and we need their help and that there should be more of them coming out and coming forward. And it it is so important that this experiment, this human experiment, be allowed to thrive and move forward. And uh, there are a lot of ET races on the positive side that know that that's the case and are helping us as well. So, I mean, we've got a lot going for us, in fact, in spite of all the opposition. So that's really important to know. It's so well put, so well put. What are your thoughts about these technologies being disclosed and used by humans? Do you think that they would be under the the controls of the grays? I mean, do you think this is, would be a positive step or something we want to, you know, steer away from so we can develop our spiritual abilities? Um, well, it's an interesting, it's, it's really an interesting uh, choice in a sense. I mean, I say when I do speak in front of people that there's two paths. One has to do with robotic Superman and one has to do with angelic human. 
that the secret space has obviously chosen the path of the robotic Superman and that they're working to push our development in a certain way that will be augmented by machines and, and AI and the machine mentality and that in a certain sense we will serve the machines in that reality, whether they know it or not, even though they think they have the upper hand as humans now, eventually those machines, those AI, are going to turn the tables on them, and they will be mm. serving the machine. Um, that is not uh, the most desirable reality in my view. The other is the path of the what I call the angelic human, which is really going back to our source, uh, which is using all the, the natural abilities that we have that have been put into our DNA from all the various races that we are part of, and actualizing that. Um, now, it doesn't mean that I'm against machines. Obviously, the Internet has been a, a huge boon to all of us, and there's many machines and, and things that can serve us. But I think that when we begin to allow it to dominate our reality is a problem. I think that the dependency, it, it's, it's wrong. I think there's a huge dependency on... Uh, well, it, it sort of starts with, with drugs and other kinds of, of dependencies. In other words, when somebody has something wrong with them, the first thing they do is call a doctor, look for an outside authority to tell them what's wrong mm-hmm. with them and then handle it. Um, you are your healer. I mean, you have within your capability everything you'll ever need. Um, you are time travelers. I mean, I think we are developing into something really amazing, and I think we're scaring the you know, the shit out of the, the powers. That, I mean, because oh, we're developing yes. faster than they, they than they anticipated. We are yes. rebelling more and we are we are going way outside the box that they ever thought they could build and keep us down in. And um and I think that we're much greater than the sum of our parts, if you will. So there's this ex quotient that they didn't bargain on and, and it's really it's got it's gotten out of the bag and it's happening. Um, and it has to do with our ability to to meditate, to turn on our psionic um, abilities, and uh, and move beyond this this matrix. And so, um, I don't think the machines are the problem, but I think they could become a big problem <laughs> if right. not, you know, if if they haven't already, simply because they do have the ability to uh, to to replicate and using AI to to dominate on a certain intellectual level. But I can tell you, unpredictability is always going to be our ace in the hole. Mm, right. Oh, I resonate with everything you say so much. It just blows me away. Gosh. <clears throat> me too. This has been, this has been great, Carrie. I'm so Carrie. happy you're on. <laughs> um, Thank you. I, I, I've got a question that, that is just coming up for me after after hearing all this and I'm I'm getting a different side of you tonight than I have um tapped into before and I'm really really loving this and I've got to tell you we've got 280 people in the chat room that are absolutely loving this also. My question has to do with with your childhood. Were were you able to see through the game at an early age, and and when was your real awakening? I know in in your twenties you had some amazing experiences, but was there, um, you know, an awakening that happened before that? Um, well, you know, it is interesting. I I can say that there is a couple things about my childhood which are very kind of 
interesting and start to explain why I ended up here and, you know, running Project Camelot. Um, one of the things is that I grew up in the Bay Area uh, where Apple Computer was, was you know, kind of created. Um, and I, there was one sort of, you might say it's kind of a crystallized uh, memory, which I went on a school field trip when I was, um, God, really young, I don't know, five or seven or something like that. And and we went to, because I lived in the Bay Area, we went to um, near Moffett Field to NASA to, to a, a place in sort of Redwood City area, I think it was, um, which was a, sort of a, this space place where uh, where NASA was, and we were, you know, going on a field trip, and we went. It was sort of like a little bit like a museum exhibit of very space stuff. And I remember walking in there and thinking, "Oh, I know this place." <laughs> and I never had any interest prior to that in space stuff, or you know, I wasn't. I never even read sci-fi, even as I grew older. I wasn't a sci-fi fan until much later. It's kind of bizarre. Um, in fact, until I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I probably wasn't a sci-fi fan until then. Then I, I did, when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, my God, they know. They're out there. <laughs> but, uh, and, and then I used to have a recurring, uh, what, what I call a traditional um, abduction sort of dream. And I think that I was a My Lab baby, if you want to call me that. Um, because I, I was actually the only kid in my family that was born in Moffett Field Hospital, and my father was in the Air Force. Um, and it, there's just something strange about that. And I found out since then when I, I did an interview, I don't know if people saw my Norm Bergram interview, but you should watch it. And there's a part at which some, for some reason he talks about Moffett Field, and he worked underground at Moffett Field in, um, back in the 60s, I think it was. And in black projects, and um, I and I'm not going to say when I was born, but it was in the 50s. But let me say that. And um, so what happened is I said, "Oh, I was born at Moffett Field," and he gave me this look. And if you see it, it's it's actually on film, and it was the most unbelievable look. And I kind of like when he did it, I freaked out. Um, he looked at me in this knowing way that was like. I won't say it's sinister, but it kind of like freaked me. It was just it was just really weird. Almost a little bit um sympathetic, like, oh, you're one of them. <laughs> kind oh. of thing. I never asked about it, but that's what I got. And it was it was a moment in the film and you can see it. It's he, he has such an expressive face. He's kinda of like a, a little imp, like a, a an elf or a leprechaun or something. And um it, it was just his expression. It was just priceless. And he said nothing. He was very, very tactful. You know, but there was something going on there. And I thought, oh, God. You know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I have a weird implant uh, in my arm. I have a re- weird birthmark on my arm that I don't like display for people. Uh, and I went to Stanford when I was a little kid. My mother took me. Uh, my, By the way, my parents... Uh, well, they were born. They married in Stanford Chapel in you know Palo Alto Stanford University, and my mother went Stanford, and um, she came from sort of a wealthy upscale, I guess you might say, that side of my 
my uh, DNA is uh, sort of an Illuminati bloodline from Scotland. And the other side, I guess, is the more, uh, the less Illuminati side, my father's side. But, um, so what happens is, it, it just, I don't know, it, it seems that there was some link up there between um, what went on at, when I was, what seemed to be maybe even before I was born. So in answer to your question, I can't, my mother used to even call me know-it-all, Carrie. I know it sounds stupid. <laughs> But I really, I, I found these books that my mother had hidden um, and and I guess belonged to her or my father and uh, hidden in the garage when I was a little kid and, and they were about alchemy and all kinds of things and I just opened them and said, oh, I know this stuff <laughs> and started reading huh. it. Um, you know, what can I say? That's just the way I was. I believed in right. ETs. I believed in unseen presences. In fact, I lived more in that world, I would say, than in this world, most of my growing up life. Hmm. I tried marijuana once when I was like, I don't know, whenever it was cool to do so, like on its early teens, I thought, God, what are people on about? I'm like this all the time. (laughs) 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 It was like ridiculous. Um, So I don't know what to tell you, but that's just, that's why I went to Hollywood to make movies. Because my consciousness was just like so outside the box that I just would consider anything. Oh, that's awesome! So great to hear. Just your background. I've never, you know, heard any of this, so it's that's really wild. I don't talk about myself a lot, so you're getting a lot more than most people. <laughs> this interview is just incredible. I'm just like, <laughs> what? We only have nine minutes left. <laughs> So, yeah, my gosh. So in, in this last nine minutes, I just want to give you a chance to just share any thoughts or anything that, you know, you'd like to let the listeners know about maybe upcoming events or just, uh, you know, new interviews that you have happening or just anything that um, you think would be important to let everybody know. Uh, okay, let me see. I, I am going to try to do an Awaken Aware conference. Uh, we want to do it in Joshua Tree. I'm going to do it in association with uh, Joseph Matheny, who I've interviewed, who is a brilliant uh, software designer. I'm not sure. I guess uh, developer and uh, something. He's written a time travel cult novel called On Pat. Um, and uh, and and we're, we were going to do it in February. We decided to move it because uh, the intervening trip to Egypt and the, and the whole holiday thing really made doing something in February just uh, sort of way too difficult. So we're probably going to do it the first weekend um, weekend of April, like the fifth, sixth, and seventh. So that's in the works, and and we're working on having that focus on time travel, as a matter of fact, and trying to get certain speakers around that. Um, Let me see what else. Uh, You know, Tommy Hansen, my webmaster, just left, so I'm looking for a webmaster. He's been with Camelot for over three years. I think he just kind of got burnt out and, and would like to make more money and was growing in his own way and wanted to do his own creative uh, his own creative sort of um, projects. So I, so I really encourage him to do whatever he he wants to do. But I, I think that we're we're gonna you know find somebody else or a group of people that 
that can help build Camelot out. We want to expand and, and hopefully get um, Project Light Warrior off the ground. We need to try to make an, a, an in, what's called an income stream. <laughs> um, so, so that we have some more dependable way of, of staying alive um, and also paying people. Um, so that's kind of like what's most recent. I do have a radio show on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, Wednesday on American Freedom Radio and Friday on Revolution Radio, in case you don't know that. Um, encourage people to listen and it's at 7 p.m. both, uh, both those nights. And, uh, just, I'm, I'm always trying to do, uh, group, you know, collective, um, so where people get together and talk to each other because one thing that happens in a sector is a lot of people are in their own what I call private Idaho, and they don't get out and talk to each other, uh, the people that are kind of movers and shakers in this area. And um, I think it's really important that we compare notes. I think we're stronger if we if we would compare and contrast the evidence together. So I do the Camelot Roundtable events, and, and we do charge for that. It's, it's kind of a, a real exercise to get those things to happen but I hope to do a, a bunch more this year and, you know, I'll welcome people to get a subscription if you want to get in for really cheap or free and um, that helps support Camelot so we could really help, use the help. Right. <laughs> so I guess that's all I have to say. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be our guest this evening. Um, you are an inspiration um, you're really out there doing it, and you're impacting so many of us that um, I just I have so much gratitude and respect for you, and um, I'm, I'm just beside myself. And I got to tell you, from the chat room, people have absolutely loved um, hearing all this tonight. And so, thank you so much. Yeah, thank Carrie, you. and I, I just absolutely feel the same way. You're you're just so courageous, brilliant, and I. I so enjoyed the time that I've been able to spend with you and everything that you shared tonight has just really just done so much for everybody and so much for me. And I look forward to connecting again really soon. And thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, we'll be in touch. Thanks. Okay. Take Hello, care. Everyone. Bye. Bye. This is, um, wow. Just, um, I'm really, <laughs> 2013, I gotta love it. We ended up with 286 people at the peak in the chat room, which is a new record for um, Awaken the Dream Radio. That feels good. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I knew this would be big, because, my gosh, if anybody knows what's going on and, and who really digs into the truth, it's Carrie Cassidy, and I, I'm... You know, it's almost hard at the end of, of 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 the show some some days to just even you know form sentences because so <laughs> many different things start to just move through me and just the things that the likeness and and just oh I the things that she shared and how much it, it resonates and you know you don't know what people are going to say especially when you ask more personal questions and um, I'm just blown away I, I really just love her answers and just her perspective you know so yeah what, another great uh, another great week. I, I love it. The the conferences that I've seen Carrie speak at, I mean, she's she's hardcore. I've really, you know, I I got a a taste for a side of her tonight that I haven't experienced um, with her. And we've even had dinner with her and other people and stuff like that. And um, 
this was just really, uh, really special. And so I'm thrilled. Let's just take a look at some of the things that um, that we have coming up. And um, let's see. Uh, of course, tomorrow night we have our essential oil play shop here in uh, Ventura. No charge from 7 to 8.30. Let us know if you want to come to that. Um, on January 18th in Los Angeles from 7 to 9 at the Olympic Collection in West L.A., um, we have a very special evening, Essential Oils and You, Enriching Your Life. We have one of the leaders from uh, doTERRA coming in. Um, this is a free event. The first 25 people get a uh, essential oil gift. And then we're following this up the very next day in Ventura County in Camarillo with a more in-depth um, process and um, an experiential afternoon. And so take a look at Facebook or contact us direct if you want more information on these events or go to touroflove.com. And then we are really, really excited about the Cosmic Reunion fourth density event that Portal to Ascension is putting on March 30th and 31st in Irvine. Uh, both Laura and I will be uh, presenting, and um, that's just mind-blowing for us. We can't wait. And then April 25 to the 27th, we'll be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for the Free Your Mind 2 conference. And um, Free Your Mind 1 was two years ago. Um, uh, or about. And um, it, it was a big deal, and this one's going to be even better. And we've, um, we're promoting some fundraising activities they're doing and some things like that. Um, also, look for us to be introducing a trip to Egypt later this year. We'll be introducing it in the next couple of weeks, and so we'll be putting that out there. And then, um, of course, we are um, – working on um, expanding the reach of our radio broadcast. And uh, this is all really, really exciting for us. And uh, next week, we're just waiting to hear, but I believe we'll have um, William Henry on, uh, waiting for him to finalize, and then Lisa Renee the week after. And that's it for us. Well, good night, everybody. So happy that you joined us. It's just incredible, incredible to be in this unified field with you. And our show had no alien voices, so we had great tech uh, luck tonight and uh, sending blessings out to everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Wonderful evening, all. Much love. Meet us back here next week.